What's up, all you hunks, punks, and drunks? Welcome to The Highway with Kyle Shutt. I am your host, Kyle Shutt. And I'm here to talk to one of my favorite guitar players, Mr. Ben McLeod from All Them Witches. One of the few people that's actually pranked me on tour and gotten away with it. I just can't get enough of that band. We got into some ridiculously good times with uh, the tour that we did with them and Cadaver. We're going to talk all about it. If you've been liking what you've been hearing on the program, go ahead and follow us where you can. Smash that subscribe button on the YouTube page. You know this all helps us out more than you know. Maybe you don't know. The internet's weird, folks. If you want to go one step further and help the show out, you can find us at patreon.com slash the highway. Get yourself some uh, some exciting perks, like early access to next week's episode. Get yourself a shout-out like my dog Jody Giordano, or Rocky Moon, or Colton Waite, or Marte Pedersen. I really just like saying that name. And you know we got to give some mad, mad love to our sponsors, Heil Sound. If you like the way I sound, it's because there's a Heil in front of me. Now I could talk, talk, talk all day long. But I'd rather listen to Ben, so let's do things my way. The Highway. Hey, 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 Ben, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing good. Ben McLeod, everybody, from All Them Witches and more. And more. How, how's, yeah, how's life treating you, man? Life is great. Uh, actually, back in July, my wife and I, we moved to Florida, which is where I'm from originally. Uh, wow, whereabouts? Uh, St. Augustine, Florida. It, it Get is a, out of here. Yeah, it's a it's a little beach town. It, it Actually, the uh, the downtown is super hip. It's like I know. I, I actually know. Yeah, it's like a uh, almost like a theme park kind of like colonial fort kind of thing. I, I love St. Augustine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the nation's oldest city, and um, it's like all the streets are like super narrow. Like no, there's no like uh, car traffic or anything like that. You know, like it's all like foot traffic, just walking around little shops and and stuff like that. I've been to the um, the St. George's bar down there in that little area just like a real shitty dive bar in the middle of this like tourist trap god i yes. love saint augustine what are you doing there so we you know uh obviously i was living in nashville for for 10 years my wife was living there for about eight years and it was an amazing time in our lives like obviously you know met parks and robbie in the band and played a you know, played a bunch of music and recorded a bunch of music with a lot of friends along the way. And it it just kind of had run its course. Like, it wasn't that typical Nashville story where you're like, oh, I'm just so over Nashville. I got to get the hell out of here. Like, no, it was, you know, we were just ready to move on to the next stage of our life. And we wanted to be back near the ocean. So, um because we had no touring in all of 2020, we finally had time to to actually make a huge life-changing move. Because our, our life was in Nashville. Like, everything was there. Yeah. And so we chose St. Augustine because it's where I'm from originally. And it's actually where me and my wife met. She went to college here. And then, um, and then my, my mom and my dad live here. And... We're trying to convince, uh, basically, both both my family and my wife's family to move down here so we can be one. <laughs> it'll be like, it'll be like that show Parenthood. That's great. Mm-hmm. I uh, uh, I've tried doing that too, but my my family is hopelessly uh, rooted in their small Texas towns that they will never leave. So and uh, and I you couldn't pay me to live there. So <laughs> oh well, I tried. Yeah, uh, yeah, but, but good for you, man. I hope it works out. Yeah, uh, yeah. God, what, what a beautiful city! I um, know it's awesome. What, what, what's the island over there? Because I, I live in a thirty-foot airstream travel trailer, and uh, we, I, I've been through there before. There's uh, Anastasia Island. Yes, that I is. I think is like right on the other side of the uh, bay, I guess, from St. Augustine. So yeah, I've, I've stayed right on the beachfront there. It's just gorgeous, man. You've you've definitely been here. That's awesome. I. I I know it's uh it's uh, when you when you have a home on wheels you can just 
Go where the wind takes yeah. you. Um, I will but, show um, you all the cool places to go if you if you ever drive through again. I just made. I'm in Savannah, Georgia, right now, which isn't too far. Oh my gosh! Uh, okay, so there. I'm yeah. not just I'm not just making this up. But if if we didn't have roots in St. Augustine, I think that the place that we would have ended up would be Savannah. Uh, it's just beautiful here. The Spanish moss hanging from the whole city. The whole city itself just, uh, you feel like you're in a movie when you're here. It's its probably the closest I think I've felt to being in like a, a quaint European village. Yep. Walking walking around in the States. Besides like maybe Miami or maybe New Orleans. New Orleans is kind of played out though. Yeah. I mean, Savannah feels like a nice town in the Netherlands, sort of. Mm-hmm. But like, you know southern spanish moss stuff like that yeah love it well i could talk about cities all day but uh <laughs> let's talk about to- touring to them because at one point i had been nowhere and um uh, making that decision of just leaving your whole life behind and jumping in a van and going to see the world was i think one of the best decisions i ever made um you just find yourself in in situations that you would have never uh, otherwise been in if you would have just stayed in in, in one place your whole life what made you um you know what was what was the allure that made you want to pick up a guitar and get in a van and just say bye to everything yeah um actually man that is that is such a good question because first of all I feel the same exact way I couldn't imagine my life had I not you know started to play in a touring band and it's it's just unreal the amount of stuff that you get to see the just gobs of people that you meet along the way yep it's it's been the most amazing life experience i know you can say the same exact thing um so we had actually in in my hometown we had one venue where touring bands played um and it was called cafe 11 and you know it was obviously they were like these, you know, these some smaller, crappier places where just like, you know, crappy Florida punk bands would like come through. But as far as like a real touring band venue that that was like 150 or 200 cap, I think you guys played there. It's called Cafe 11 in St. Augustine. Yes. Uh, uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Oh, no. Florida's tough for touring bands because it's to to really dip down in there it's a real commitment you have to like either have one full day off to get really far down in there exactly. or one full day off to get out and if you're not you know playing you're paying so it's it's we we, we tried to make it down there once every three or four years and uh, the shows were always banging uh i don't remember playing saint augustine but i've been wrong before mm-hmm. about, <laughs> about yeah. playing shows but uh but saint augustine is not that tough because it's like it's pretty much near the georgia border i mean kind of it's, it's really north anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway yeah. anyway but uh, so I would I would I started to go to like shows, you know, you know, actual touring bands who were on like record labels and stuff. They would, you know, they would come through this C market venue called Cafe 11. C market meaning, you know, like New York is A. Yeah. Uh, we'll say Chicago is B or something. Oh, yeah. Anyway. It's on uh, tertiary. Yes. Yeah, tertiary market. <laughs> so anyway. These these bands would come into town and they'd play this like little venue and they'd all be in their 15 passenger vans with like trailer. And I was like, I have to do that. Like that is going to be my life. Like I, I have to do that. In fact, I, I went to college and I was supposed to be a print journalist. And I, I was like, you know what? After college, I'm not going to start working with my major, you know, like right away. I'm just going to move to Nashville and like meet like-minded musicians because at the time in my hometown, there weren't a lot of like-minded musicians. And what I mean is like, yes, a lot of other people play bass, they play guitar, right? they play drums, but do they want to get in a van and, you know, go on the road for six weeks? Yeah, that's tough to so, find people like that that are all on the same page. Yeah, so... I was like, I'm going to move to Nashville and hopefully meet a band. And my only goal was to just be in a touring band and like ride around in a 15 passenger van. And, uh, I would say, I would 
say that I definitely met that goal. I can die happy. <laughs> well, it's it's funny too because like back then, like even in the early days of like when you first hop in a van and stuff like that, that's all that's all it takes for you to be completely satisfied. You know what I mean? It's funny how like the the more time goes on and and people grow and stuff like that, the more the demands kind of like know. you know kind of creep in and stuff like that. But back in those days, you're just like. I'm eating a 99 cent Frito pie that I made from the chili cheese machine at the 7-Eleven. I'm good. Yeah. Like, I've, I've got a floor to sleep on. I, I'm totally fine. This is this is the life, you know? How much weed do we have? Perfect. Uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I think s- some of the best mornings I've ever had in my life is just waking up in the van, like, rolling into a gas station and getting coffee and having a cigarette. Just fresh out of the van, like... <laughs> This is life. Yeah, right. This yeah. is awesome. Um, uh, a, a lot of bands. I mean, we can talk about touring anywhere in the world, but um, I've I've noticed that kind of bands more in like the heavy psych scene, whatever you want to call it. Um, sometimes they can do way better in Europe than they can in the states, or sometimes the, you know the states can be a lot harder to break for them. Or a lot of times, I've talked to bands that couldn't even exist if it wasn't for their European fan base. That was kind of like their bread and butter for a while. What what was y'all's experience like? Um, just uh, Europe versus the U.S. Uh, and all that. Yeah, I mean, we're we still kind of struggle with the U.S. You know, uh, it's funny. It's funny because I I have a theory about why Europe European shows are for rock bands are so much more successful, which I'll, I'll, I'll explain. But yeah, Europe kind of started for us. We we signed to this this print copy record deal. It was it was it was only for print copies of vinyl for our first record on this German label called Electrohash, and they they have this nice kind of cult following and very deep rooted and like this stoner rock stoner metal scene psych kind of stuff everybody who listens to that kind of music you know they 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 know this label and they know this band called color haze who runs the label and so mm-hmm. um they they agreed to put out the album and and stuff just kind of took off like on our first european tour we were, I mean, granted, we we're only booking like 150 capacity rooms, but we were selling out like almost every night on our first European tour. That's awesome. And uh, still playing to the opening band and bartenders in America. <laughs> <laughs> the states are big, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's and to get from show to show, that's a commitment. You have to you have to beat it down. You know, it takes. A decade sometimes, yeah. yeah, to do that. In Europe, you can really kind of like pick and choose your markets. Yeah, I think uh, I'm not. I'm not an expert. The sword always. Um, w- w- our territory was the states. I mean, like we really did the work here. We did the work in Europe too, and it wasn't like it was bad. It was just like it was about the same. The cost of it couldn't really justify spending um, more time over there than than in the states or anything like that. But we still had. We had plenty of fans over there, but yeah. um, it's just so expensive, to, or it can be, to tour Europe, depending on how you do it. Oh yeah, and your route, your routing, and all that. Oh yeah, um, yeah. That's it's it's it, it's unreal looking at your balance sheet at the uh, at the end of a European tour. Like <laughs> how how did we spend that much money? <laughs> yeah, if we could have bought a house, we could have just straight up bought a house. I know, and we could all live there. And uh, yeah, but, but <laughs> anyway, uh, so my. My theory, so in Europe, first of all, rock bands, they they don't have to compete with country music. And they don't, you know, say what you will. That's but a good point. Yeah. And yes, like hip hop and, and like rap and stuff, they're popular worldwide. But it is definitely, I think, more of a thing in the States. So a rock band doesn't have to compete with you know, huge hip hop artists and country music. So that's one thing that, that we have going for us over in Europe. And then the other thing, how many times have you gone to a show in Europe and the headliner gets on at at midnight? Oh yeah. Never. Yeah. That's so a really good point too. Every time. (laughs) So 
every time we headline the states, you know, or at least at least when you're starting off and you're doing like smaller shows, you know, 300 capacity and under, there's like you know, three local bands opening or some shit like that. It's like you know, we're we're getting on at like 11:30 or sometimes midnight mm-hmm. on 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 a Tuesday, right? And and then in Europe, the headliner, there were nights where we would be on by 8:30. Mm-hmm. So more people can go to shows in Europe because they can work all day. They can get to the venue and they can catch the headliner and be home by 11. And then it's like they knew what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so and and small punk venues in Nashville are like the worst with that. Like we I, I remember playing the end, yeah, in oh, Nashville yeah. and going on at like one thirty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or something like that. It's just ridiculous sometimes how that could get pushed back. How did that how did that happen? Who made those decisions? Yeah, it's like let's just wait a little longer for for five possible more people to show up. That was the uh, the classic, yeah, fifteen yeah. minutes. Let's push it back fifteen minutes. Uh, give some more people some time to get here. I mean, some cities that make sense, like in New Orleans, a lot of people don't even leave their house until eleven o'clock. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, on the most part, in Wichita, Kansas, yeah, on a on a Tuesday, like you say, like why are we going on at one in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but uh, very very good points. Um, uh, one, uh, a, a lot of times too, uh, bands will talk about like how much better they get treated by European promoters or something like that, and sometimes it can be. Every band has a different idea of what proper treatment is, I suppose. But um, usually it consists of, like, you know, we were fed, you know, they gave us a place to stay, uh, you know, we were paid well, like this and that, you know what I mean? It's it's It was a lot more cutthroat in the States where, like, you know, sometimes you you have to, to fight to even get your, you know, five bucks uh, for your, like, your meal buyout or, you know, uh, you get that you know, bar that doesn't want to kick down a 12 pack of beer or something like that. When I'm like, I know how much money you're making tonight off of, off of our sold out show. Just like, give us the damn bottle of whiskey, you know, or something like that. It's, it can be like very, um, adversarial at times, which I think is really unfortunate because like, we're all in this together, you know? And, uh, I've there, I mean, there, that's not the case every time because we definitely had clubs that just treat us like Kings. And, uh, and that shows that reflects in your performance and your desire to come back to that city and stuff like that. I've never understood that, uh, adversarial, um, kind of relationship in the states because it, it's more than just the clubs. It happens with like record labels. It's it almost seems like, and it might be left over from the '90s where it's like this mentality of like we signed to a record label and they're like the evil enemy and like they're trying they're out to screw us. But but y'all are the ones that signed the contract. Why are we all acting like that? you know what I mean? It's it's I, I don't know. It's yeah, it's unfortunate. Was was that your experience at all, or, or did y'all kind of come after that wave of? <laughs> bullshit <laughs> I think that as soon as you as soon as you pull up to a venue you know what the night is going to be like based on <laughs> based on the promoter based on the bathrooms based on you know what your green room looks like we we pulled up to and like it it's it still happens even with bigger clubs there's awful vibes and you just get treated like shit. I don't... It's true. We played this place in Silver Lake not too long ago. I think it was called Echoplex or something. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I don't care if anyone at the venue hears this, but they were so rude. And, like, literally the worst vibes that we have ever felt at a venue. It was it was awful. I'm and so like, sorry. That's yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, it was it was a sold out show, and there was like every time you'd ask somebody at the venue for something, it was it was like you were you were putting them out, like they were just like oh my gosh I can't I can't believe that you come in here and sell out a show this is this is stupid you know like so unhappy and you can you can leave that in there no no i'm 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 going to chime in too the the i think it was called the blind pig in ann arbor michigan we had this exact same experience where it's like you know we sold the show out there and they, we just got treated like s- such shit that uh, at the end of the night we almost got into a fist fight with the 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 club manager and the owner had to come in and she kind of smoothed everything out but i mean it was just like i don't understand why people can flare up like that and then it's like 
they're, you know, sometimes they can be like, well, we're in here every day. Like, you're not the only band that sells this place out. We sell out every show that's in here. It's like, well, then why are you acting like a dick? Like, it sounds to me like you got it pretty good. Yeah. You got a really successful business. Why, why don't you lighten the fuck up? You know, I don't know. Like, it's, it's people's, um, it's that, that, that hipster fucking like barista attitude that they, they bring into a rock club. There's no, there's no place for that. No. Man, go, you know, go, uh, go work the door at a fucking, you know, college beer hall if you want to act like that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and then and then there's there's the polar opposite where it's like you can't believe how well you're being treated. You know, all this all this stuff you're just psyched, everyone's amping. Um it's just it definitely makes it more fun, you know. It it is up to a club, not the band. I think it's mainly up to the club how how the night is going to go, you know. Mm-hmm. What? Got any favorites? My favorite club. Oh yeah, I mean Exit In, of course. Well, yeah. In Nashville. Awesome, awesome. As far club. okay, so like not in Nashville. I would say. Hmm. Let me let me think. Dun dun dun. Heat is on. I don't know what mine would be. Uh, uh I don't know. I've had. To play too many shows. Probably my, mine would probably be Numos in Seattle. Oh yeah, I think that's my favorite club of all time. I've never played a show there that wasn't sold out. Yeah, uh, with with the sword or my solo band, uh, for that matter, it was just um, just the vibe in there. They just treat you right. We played it's in a cool part of town, you know, all that stuff. Do you remember the show that we played there? So it was it was, oh, it was yeah. on our tour with you guys. So for for everyone listening, listen to this lineup. It was the sword, cadaver, wind hand. Uh, Monolord, All Them Witches, and Donova. Sick lineup. All in one night. Am I, am I missing any? I think that was because it was two three-band bills that were playing Seattle the same night that they combined into one giant show. It was, yeah. it was incredible. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was a good time. Uh, I think that was... <sighs> No, that was a little bit after. I was gonna say like that was right around the time weed was legalized too. So that was for the first time we were, we're we could just like walk around in the street just like you know with weed in our pockets, not worrying about getting arrested or anything like that. But oh, um, yeah. isn't it funny how I don't know when the sword first started, um, you know all drugs were illegal and now in Portland like cocaine is legal and shit like that. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? we're like drugs are so like not. Um, not like bad anymore or, or whatever you don't ha- you're not like a bad boy if mm-hmm. you like do drugs or smoke weed or whatever like you used to have to do some sketchy shit to get drugs on tour i mean you, you still do kind of sometimes in, in yeah. places but for for the most part um it's a little bit easier than you don't have to like get on a bus you know go to some weird part of town and meet some dude you know named you know Chavez or something like that and uh-huh. you know like all these are real stories you know like you used to like you don't know if you're gonna make it back to the club in time all just to get some drugs I don't know it seems uh, kind of silly now when you say it but at the time it was really important you need those drugs um <laughs> yeah Lord. weed but uh yeah weed weed, weed. man I, I gotta talk about uh one of my well uh, it's one of the f- funnier pranks that's ever happened because when you tour a lot. There's a lot of boredom. There's a lot of downtime, and uh, sometimes, it, d- depending on um, how much of a wise ass you are or how much you like to fuck with other people, uh, you can get into some pretty awesome pranks. And um, one of the one of the best pranks I ever saw. I kind of have to paint the backdrop for this story. So we were playing uh, Salt Lake City, uh, which already uh, I love Salt Lake City. It took us a long time to break that city and to to get a lot of fans there and stuff, but. Um, it's anywhere that where there's like a super overarching, like oppressive religious kind of governmental, uh, just entity. Uh, there's always a really strong counterculture. Uh, and if you can tap into that, then you, you can do really well in places like that. And, uh, so we, we had done really well, but we were playing Salt Lake city on Halloween against King diamond and Garth Brooks. Yeah. So it's just like, like, why are we even here? Can I just go to the Garth Brooks show? Like can we can we, just, can we just cancel this and somebody get me in there please, and um, but we played we you know the sh- the show went on how are you gonna go up against King Diamond on Halloween but there was you know there was a lot of people there and uh, that was on the Cadaver All Them Witches tour 
And uh, <laughs> I would, I, I, a big fan of both those bands. I really enjoyed going to see uh, all the opening bands that we had out. Um, you, you, a band brings out opening bands to, to get them psyched and just bands that they like and that they want to see every night to get them pumped to play their show. And uh, so I went out to to watch you guys and uh, you know I, I smokes a bit I drinks a bit and uh, sometimes when I'm watching a band um, I don't necessarily watch the band I, I'll look at them for a second to be like okay that's what they look like and then I usually end up watching the crowd I like to people watch and um, I'm real observant of like a room and the energy in the room and stuff like that so I wasn't necessarily looking at y'all uh, all the time but I, I was standing right there kind of playing and then I just kind of noticed you and you had like a wig on but the the stage lighting, like the whole room was purple. So it looked like you had a purple wig on. And I was like, Oh, that's funny. I guess he's like wore a wig for Halloween or whatever. And then like more time, I buy a couple songs and I kind of looked more like closely at you. And I was like, Oh, he's got like a, one of those like tattoo sleeve shirts that you can buy from hot topic on. That's, that's funny. And then I look a little bit closer. I'm like, is that motherfucker playing my guitar? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I turn around, and my guitar tech, Dave uh, Grumman, uh, what's up, Dave, if you're listening, he's standing back there just, like, dying laughing, because apparently it took me, like, 15 minutes to realize that you were me for Halloween. Yeah. Like, it was, and I was like, oh, my fucking God, dude. Like, it was, like, it's it such a delayed joke, but once it hit home, I was like, put my guitar down. <laughs> yeah. No. That- did, that was that was, a spur-of-the-moment decision, or did, were you, like, planning that for a week or something? No, no, no. I was I was planning that, actually, for a long time. So, uh, <laughs> so our our band, Touring with the Sword, was, like, I, I mean, we were, like, psyched. So, so stoked. I remember when we got the email that it was confirmed, we were, like, literally shitting our pants. And, uh, and I saw, like, one of the dates was Halloween, and... None of us in the band knew you guys even before the tour. Like never. I don't. I don't think we ever talked either. No, so. we met, uh, or I mean, uh, we found out about you from uh, Nick Cornetti, the drummer of uh, American Sharks. He, yes, he, he uh, hipped us to you guys. Yeah. So I saw that the, the date was Halloween, and it was like, I, I don't know this guy, Kyle, but <laughs> I, I'm gonna be him on Halloween and at that show, and then like. Got to be like pretty good friends with with y'all's tech, Dave, and so I was kind of putting the bug in his ear. I was like, "Dude, do you think I can play Kyle's guitar in Salt Lake City?" And he was like, "Yes, dude." He <laughs> he, he would flip. Yeah, and then uh, got the wig and got the sleeves because uh, I didn't know what to do with with like tattoos I thought about like drawing them um <laughs> but we're kind of pressed for time because you know the tour yeah you're yeah, literally you know. racing to get to venues so we went to like some you know one of Spencer's or something like that but yeah it was fun and in fact so after I played the guitar which was sick the guitar I think the guitar's name was the Wild Kyle well yeah uh Dave had uh made me a custom engraved uh, like a three ply uh, truss rod cover that uh, had the the top was etched out so you could see the white through the black top and it, he it said Wild Kyle on it yeah but it was a um, I think it was a 2015 or 2014 uh, Les Paul Studio yes um, that I bought just as a road beater and uh, yeah yeah um but yeah and it had a super distortion in there and actually in that show I love the pickup so much and Dave had a spare and. He ended up giving it to me. Um, I Great think it, he gave it to me when we, like, the next time we went through Austin, I think we actually stayed at Dave's house. And then he was like, hey, here's that pickup. I was like, yes. Great awesome. pickup. My uh, my signature uh, Railhammer pickups um, are actually modeled. The, the, the bridge version is modeled after the Super Distortion. It's just a little bit hotter uh, to get the low end to cut through a little more. And, uh, Hotter than a super distortion. Little, just, just a little bit. Yeah. Um, nice. And uh, the, the yeah, the neck is um, kind of 
modeled around a P90. It's double wound. Uh, it's, it's a double wound single coil, but it's just double wound to get that hum out of there. It's still real creamy and, and real nice. Because I, I played those pickups because that's what Tom Scholes from Boston uh, played. That was his oh, combination. Nice. And I just think Boston is one of the sickest guitar tones around. Some people like you know look at me. They're like, man, what's your favorite guitar tone? Is like Sabbath or Slayer? It's like no, Boston actually. Yeah, like, Boston. What? Like I mean, listen to you know rock and roll band. This shit is fucking sick. Also, but I don't. I don't know if you're a fan of Zevon. Um, oh yeah, but but the album Excitable Boy, I guess the guitarist they had, his name was Waddy Wachtel, and uh, that guy on that album I think has my favorite guitar tone of all time. <laughs> I will go it, check that out. It, yeah, it's so sick. Listen to Johnny Strikes Up the Band. Uh, some of his licks in there are just so money, and like his tone, it's just this. It's like this throaty super sick tone oh my god it's it's incredible like turn it up really loud and the song <laughs> johnny strikes up the band by warren zevon also wadi Wachtel, that that same guitar player is famous for the uh digga 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 just like a white wing dove like he oh he's that guy yeah digga 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 nice. killer L.A. session player. Now you know. This is why I brought you on the show. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> that one well, reason. Thank you. Well, I... And this has happened to me. Uh, so, uh, after playing in a band forever and kind of going through the ups and downs and just, you know, after over a decade of it and everything, you learn a lot. And you have a lot of knowledge and, and wisdom that you can only get from doing what you did. And, uh, it, it, and we had a lot of bands much, much bigger bands, uh, just give us a shot whenever we were nobody, you know? And, uh, we, we, we had a lot of, I mean, we worked really hard too. We, but we took advantage of like a, every opportunity that came in front of us and, um, and we wouldn't have been able to do what we did if much larger bands hadn't just reached a hand down and brought us up and, and, and helped us out. And so I wanted to pass that mentality forward. And uh, that's why I started managing a band that I just thought was incredible, uh, was American Sharks. And uh, I didn't really want to manage a band. It wasn't like something I aspired to, but it was just I just saw this incredible band and I knew nobody was going to give them a shot if I didn't help them out and, and just try to get them a record deal and get them some tours and stuff like that. And it was, yeah. I'm really glad that I did it. It wasn't like I had all the answers, but I just, it, I just felt like that I needed to pay that forward. And so whenever, you know, uh, Nick, the drummer of that band told me about y'all brought y'all on tour. We had a great time. It's like an instant friendship. I love when bands that don't know each other just meet and just have a blast for like six weeks. Yeah. Um, it's just one of the best things. But then after that, you know, we kept in touch and stuff and you hit me up. Uh, I think it was for the used future tour. I think so. And you said, Hey man, I'm managing this band. They're called King Buffalo. Um, I know it's a long shot, but if you had any tours that you, you know, could throw them on, I'd really appreciate it. I'm trying to get, you know, break these guys out of Rochester, get them on the road and stuff. And, um, at the time, uh, we were working with, well, I mean, the, the, I'm sorry, we were booking a tour that, uh, we were in, in contact with like four other bands that were going to like open the tour. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, there's already all these other bands in line, but if anything falls through, um, I'll give your boys a shot. And every single one of those bands, something happened and they couldn't do the tour. And I was like, all right, King Buffalo, you're up. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and call them. And we ended up doing, I mean, like a lot of shows with them. I think they did two legs of that tour with us yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it just goes to show you, like you know, don't ever be afraid to to ask somebody for a favor because you you never know uh, when you're gonna get that shot. And so, how did you end up uh, finding those guys and and wanting to manage a band? Was it kind of like a similar situation where you, you you know you just really dug them and wanted to help them out? Yeah, yeah. So they, it was kind of a a uh, second generation of this band that some of the guys used to be in called Velvet Elvis. And, you know, when you, when you start off as a band, you kind of, you know, like for me, I mean, we didn't have a manager, so I was just like trying to route tours and going on like band camp and, and just doing Rochester, New York, hashtag and band camp, Chicago hashtag, yeah. literally all, all day, just emailing bands like, Hey, we have a hold at, you know, said venue on on this Tuesday, like, do you want to play? And Velvet Elvis, which ended up being King Buffalo, they hit us up, and me and Scott talked on the phone, 
probably for the first time for like I don't know like half an hour and which is a long time to talk to a complete stranger That's true. and so in like we just hit it off and ended up just doing weekend runs with them we would like meet you know in in Ohio North Carolina and we just kind of clung together and then Velvet Elvis broke up but then Scott to the drummer uh met the two guys who were in this other band and then they formed King Buffalo and then the rest is history but I wanted to help them out just because I mean Scott and Sean are two of my best friends and I wanted to you know try to get them a booking agent and you know some like tours and stuff like that so I I gave them a deadline I was like it was like the beginning of the year and I was like I will do my best to manage you till until October. So it was like an eight month management deal. Nice. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, I I need to get these guys a couple tours, and then and then I need to ultimately, you know, quit and then have somebody replace me as far as booking. So and like Scott would like book as well, but um, fortunately, you guys were stoked on the idea of having them open for you, and then I actually ended up linking them up with our American agent who like ended up just being a huge fan of them and like has done awesome work. So, and they still laugh at me because I was like, I'm quitting after eight months. Like (laughs) this is, this is not, this is not my passion. (laughs) So it's not fun. Managing a band is like doing everything about being in the band except playing the show. I know. Yeah. It's like literally the, the not, you you get to do everything but the fun part. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I I I definitely have mad respect for booking agents, and managers. But it's a you know it's I really want to bring a booking agent on the the program at one point just to grill them because I think a booking agent's job is so funny because you're you're this person that stays in one place and it's your job to send a huge group of people all over the fucking place and you've never been to any of these places but it's totally your job to make sure that like they have shows in all these crazy places and like yet you're this person that's maybe never even gotten in a van and driven anywhere you know? know it's it's such a funny disconnect and then um and you know agents once you get successful enough you do travel to shows like maybe you fly out to LA for the the big show there or yeah, yeah. or whatever but still you don't you're not in the van from Oklahoma City to Minneapolis you know and just seeing really yeah. what it's like living like that. And I always said that uh, I'm going to book a tour for agents, a speaking tour for a group of agents, and I'm going to send, it's going to be like the, uh, uh, what is it, the Steve Miller routing? It's yeah. like, uh, yeah, what is it, Tacoma all the way to Philadelphia, Atlanta, L.A., yeah. you know, <laughs> they're going to have to drive give that an agent, <laughs> Give an agent a, a, uh, a piece of their own medicine. Like, hey, oh yeah, you're going to do a show talking about booking shows and then you're gonna have to leave immediately (laughs) after and drive overnight to salt lake city or something and you have to load gear it's not like you can just show up and talk you have to load all the gear even though you're not going to use it (laughs) yeah but (laughs) i i don't know you know we've fortunately we've only ever had three booking agents we've had two in the states and then we've only had one in europe and the the two agents that we have now, they are, uh, they are phenomenal, phenomenal people. Like you, you can really luck out, you know, but you can also have really, really bad agents. And from what I hear just from friends who are in bands, like, again, we, we got lucky because we got these guys from the get go. Um, but a, a bad agent is apparently awful. Yeah, uh, the, the sword. We've been very lucky in the states. We've had the same agent for, gosh, uh, since '05. I, I guess um, that's a long time. Damn. Uh, but yeah, in Europe, we we bounced around a lot. We just it was I don't know. We had like the big highfalutin guy that drives a Ferrari, and we've also had like the punk kid that just can't put two and two together. Um, it's mm-hmm. it, you never know what you're gonna get. Booking tours is weird. It's like the kind of, the kind of person that gets into that uh, realm, that whether it be PR or yeah, a label or, or booking and stuff. As their, their motivations are different. It's almost like, I don't know if you, you've ever had this experience, but I feel like sometimes, and this, this probably isn't relevant today, but back in the mid-2000s, 
coming out of the 90s and everything like that if you it almost seemed like if a person got a job at a record label like that was it then they stopped working they're like i did it job complete i got a job at a record label and now i can fuck off and do nothing you know <laughs> it, just, it really did seem like that uh yeah. and it was impossible to get these people to do anything in any sort of timely manner uh, it was just unfortunate. It was like, where are the hustlers? All the hustlers are in the band, like on the road, making shit oh, yeah. happen. It seems like, uh, and that that's unfair to, to as a blanket statement. But that's you know, for the most part, that's pretty much how it was. I totally agree. I mean, it's 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 still very very much like that. You know, the guys in the band are like, if you don't love what you do and love touring, you're not. You're not gonna do this because you know, as as awesome as it is, it's really really difficult. It's really hard. Like, it can really suck sometimes. It's an abrasive existence for sure. Yeah, you know, like it, it turns you into a really uh, hot and cold person. Yeah. So um, yeah, if if you're just kind of on the fence, you know, oh yeah, I'm not really crazy about touring, but then you're you're not gonna be in a touring band, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, yes. it will break you. People uh, who yeah, are in I, touring yeah. bands, they they are still very much hustling for sure. Mm-hmm. And I no, always no joke, matter what the size, yeah, too. Like even the biggest bands, like the bigger you get, the harder it is. Uh, honestly, like it, it, there might be some creature comforts that make parts of your life easier, but it's mm-hmm. it ain't easy. Yeah, but I I always joke around saying that. So a touring band nowadays is they just go around the world and they sell t-shirts and their albums just promote those t-shirts. Yep. That's uh, <laughs> I think I said that to uh, Rocky Moon from American Sharks. So I was when he signed his record deal, I was like, "Congratulations. You're a t-shirt salesman now." Yes. <laughs> you know, like uh it's unfortunate, but it's true. It's still better than anything. Uh, I I miss touring so much. Um that uh, maybe we will again. I don't know. Uh this the the whole worldwide pandemic situation uh definitely put things in perspective for everyone um mm-hmm. but it, it's uh it, for me it, it's forced me to live day to day which i really don't like doing I, I like to plan my life out like six months ahead of time and mm-hmm. and all that but uh yeah but now i uh yeah i'm just kind of taking it for what it is so i don't know who, who knows when it's going to happen again people keep hitting me up they're like man i can't wait to see you guys in july i'm like i don't know bro like, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> let's, I mean, let's uh, let's be real here. You know, we even yeah. have dates. We, we have dates in September and October. You know that are confirmed. They're booked over in Europe. And uh, I mean, it, if if I can be totally honest, it's like I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Like, if I see you, I see you. Yeah, I'm sorry, fans who are listening. You know, it's just let's. You know, we'll cross our fingers. We're just being honest. Yeah. Ugh. God, what a mess. Uh, it, it's it's funny, too, because, like, it, it's made everything across the board. Like, people are just, like, analyzing everything a little bit more. And, and, and I think it's just like, okay, so how much money did it used to cost to make a record? How can we pare that down? You know, budgets are smaller than ever. Um, mm. You know, mu- music itself is really hard to sell. I mean, even before this pandemic, it was already pretty difficult to be in a band. It's just not a sustainable thing. But, you know, and it's it, it kind of harkens back to it being more of like, you know, a, a passion project than a, a viable means of, of supporting a family and, and just uh, paying for your life and stuff like that. But it it's still in me, you know, and I feel like it's still in you too. Like even if the bottom fell out and like every, you know, you, you just couldn't count on it for anything anymore. I would still play guitar and I would still make songs and put them out there and stuff. It just like, it just changes the way everything is done. You know, I'm like, okay, well how can I do this without paying you know, like four extra people? Yeah. You know, just like mix and master and everything like that. Yeah. I've really had to up my like engineering game and I'm far from professional, but uh, it's, it's been a learning experience in many ways. Oh, I mean, like I, I, I play guitar every single day. I was playing guitar before this phone call, and <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, no matter how much guitar that I play, or how many, you know, songs that I write and stuff like that, touring is still so much a part of it. I know. Like, if I if I didn't get to tour, like you know, even 
even once me, Parks and Robbie have like families and like kids and stuff like that, you know, we're, we're still going to go out, you know, we're not going to be out for six weeks at a time, but we're going to play the shows that count. And, you know, mm. so there's comfort knowing that that's never going to go away. So, uh, you know, other than literally than right now, but, you know, in the future and stuff, we've all pretty much talked and we're all on the same page. Like, yeah, you know, all them witches is always going to be this, this thing. And the, to me, there's a lot of comfort in that. And it's like, you know, there, there might be years in the future where, you know, we, we won't even play a show or we'll play one or two festivals, but it's, it's, it's still this existence mm. kind of like, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's like that sick car that's parked in your garage. You know, it's yes. always going to be there yeah. as long as you, uh, keep, keep the oil changed yes. and, uh, take her for a spin around the block every, you know, so often. I love uh, that. That is a great way to put it. But, um, but you do have other projects, and, and that's the thing, too, is like once the band kind of like slows down a little bit to where it doesn't dominate your entire life anymore, you get some more stuff going. So what do you got going on right now? Is there anything, like uh, any songs you'd like to play for us or any yeah side projects you, you're, you're promoting? Yeah, so I, for a couple of years now, I've had this, this uh, instrumental uh, kind of super metal weird project called Wood Splitter, and... We could probably it's fucking brutal. Yeah, yeah. We can brutal. We can play one of those tracks. Um Let's see. I guess I need to figure out which one we'd want to do. Uh drop a hot Yeah, drop a hot one. Maybe this this is a track off of one of my newer releases called The Uplifting Nature of Your Inner Beast. <laughs> this is gonna be rad, y'all. If you if you're an all them witches fan, uh, it's, uh, just be forewarned. This sounds nothing like that, but it's uh, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, and uh, then good good work. So the track will be. I'll probably just send you the track. Uh, oh, dude, this this one is so sick. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. Uh. The track is called Cake of Ash. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, pop it over. Cake of Ash. This is incredible. Um, Ben, thanks so much for sitting down with us and, and just gabbing about life and music and and touring and stuff. Uh, I, th- I just think there's so much to be learned from all this, and I just think that just everyone's perspective is so different that um, I just I, I really appreciate your point of view, and thanks for putting in all the work playing guitar and just, like, sticking it out um, in, in this crazy day and age. For sure. Yeah, and before we sign off, you know, I, I'm sure we've said this a thousand times, but like, you know, something as simple as just, you know, picking an opening band to go on tour with you, like you guys picking our band to, to open that tour with, with like you and Cadaver, that was, it was literally a dream come true. And yes, I, I am totally fanboying right now. I don't care. (laughs) That's all good. (laughs) That, that was awesome. You guys are killer. And as close as we got with you guys on that tour, I just have one more little thing to end on. So I saw you guys a couple of years. It was maybe like a year or two before we went on tour with you. And I saw you at this place called 12th and Porter in Nashville. Oh, wow. You were at that show? And JD threw out his guitar pick in the crowd, and I caught it. And... The whole tour, I had that pick in my pocket, but I was too afraid to to go up to him and be like, hey, I saw you guys at 12th and Porter, and I caught your pick. I was just like, oh, he, dude, he's going to think I'm like a dork or something. <laughs> <laughs> you should have. I know. That's, that was, that's what everyone said. That was a great show, man, because um, actually Nashville was pretty tough for us. Uh, Nashville is one of those like really spoiled cities that gets music, you know, eight nights a week. And um, it's it's just really tough to stand out from the crowd. And we played the exit a couple of times. It was okay. Played the end a couple of times. We were like, let's not do that anymore. Yeah. And um, so Twelfth and Porter was like a weird nightclub. Like bands really didn't play there. I, I got that that um, that vibe. But uh, for whatever reason, like we booked a show there, and I don't know why, but that was the show that like 
turned Nashville in our favor. So that's really rad that you were there. Hell yeah. It was awesome. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks, Ben. I really appreciate you. Uh, just uh, keep on keeping on, man. We're going to get through this shit. Tuning into the highway this week, a big shout out to Reverend Guitars, Railhammer Pickups, and Earthquaker Devices. If you liked what you heard, you can follow where you can follow, subscribe where you can subscribe, and if you want to go one step further, you can support us on Patreon at The Highway with Kyle Shutt. For a few bucks a month, you can help us keep this party going, get early access to next week's episode, and even get yourself a shout out. <laughs>